Hey, what's Yo. up, man? What up, Matt? Hey, how's it going? Chilling, bro. You what know, like to hear. Living that quarantine life. I hear ya. Alright, welcome back to another episode of Footy and Coffee Conversations. Excited for the interview today. A legend. In the flesh. In the flesh. Virtual so, flesh. Excited for it. Uh, just to get going, if you want to say your name, say uh, what club you're playing for, what position you are. My name is, you guys ready for this? My name is Wojciech Wojciech. All right, but I was I grew up, uh, growing up, people called me Woj or Voy, if you're close family or friends. Um, I am 27 years old, and I play for Forward Madison FC. What position? Wisconsin. Striker. There we go. Striker, yeah, target, I was, was going to ask, in uh, pre-game announcements, how huh. often do they just butcher it? Uh, well, I haven't really heard how they pronounce it here because we haven't had a, our first league game or anything like that. But in past previous clubs, it's been pretty much all over the place. I've heard it all, so I'm used to it all. Um, so anyway, pretty much anyone pronounces it, I'm okay with. Uh, from from getting it 100% correct to completely birching it, it's, uh, it's one of those things where you just have to put up with it. So it's not too bad. Yeah, I mean, at least at home games, maybe the announcer can come up before and kind of check with you on, on the correct yeah. way and – yeah, in OKC they did that. Uh, Hartford they did that as well. I mean, once 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 you understand that like the Polish alphabet is a little bit different. So the reason it's spelled W O J, that's why most people pronounce it Woj. But in in the Polish language, the W is a V, and the Y and the J is a Y. So it's Voj instead of Woj. So whichever way you pronounce it, it, it um, it's all right with me. It's just whether you understand the, the correlation between the English language in comparison to the Polish language. So the W is a V, the J is a Y, um, so it's VOI. Or Look at that. We're getting an educational lesson right off the bat. I like yeah. it. Yeah. All so right, what's going so, on with you? Are you, are you? are you in the States or are you overseas? No, I'm over in Finland right now. So okay, nice. just just chilling, obviously no training, waiting to, to get back whenever they give us the okay. Can you so. hear me okay? Or, yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, you're right. good. Right. You're good. All right. So obviously, you said your name's Polish. So uh, talk a little bit about where you were born, how you ended up coming to the United States. Uh, I was born on May 31st, 1992, in Poland, in a small town called Dąbrowa Tarnowska, which is an hour east of Kraków, which is the second biggest city, one of the big three or four big cities in Poland. Uh, I was three months old when I came to the United States, dude. So I can't really tell you much about my experiences that I remembered because I was a baby. But uh, we got uh, we got a visa through, or no, we had our green card through my grandpa because my grandpa's mother was born in the U.S. and then they were over there for a bit and then they ended up coming back. So we ended up getting a visa through my grandfather, um, and then we ended up coming over here in '92. And ever since then, we've been in Chicago. Um, and yeah, I mean, Chicago itself was a pretty pretty ethnic city, I would say, in terms of population, the Polish population. I mean, I think, I don't know if this is correct or not, don't quote me on this, but uh, I think like Chicago is one of the biggest, more, or most populated Polish cities after like 
the capital of Poland, which is Warszawa. So there's a lot of Polish people in uh, in Chicago. I think that was the uh, the reason why we kind of came here because we knew a lot of people that were immigrating here. Uh, we had an opportunity to just uh, try something new, and 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 uh, and it worked out for us. I mean, uh, we grew up right around like the Belmont and Central area, which is pretty much Polak Central. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and then we ended up making our way a little bit out further. So, um, but yeah, I grew up, I born in Poland, raised in Chicago. Uh, I still speak the language fluently. It was a Polish speaking uh, household growing up. I have one sister, uh, but it, it was my sister and, and both our parents living in, so the four of us. And um, my mom is one of four. My dad is one of nine. Oh, wow. Um, and my mom's entire side of the family, with the exception of her grandparents or my grandparents, her parents are back in Poland. And then my dad's youngest brother is here in America. <laughs> and then everyone else is back in Poland. So I have a lot of uh, close immediate family here in terms of like aunts and uncles and stuff. Uh, distantly removed as well because, you know, family friends are aunts and uncles too when you're Polish. So um, I got we got plenty of plenty of uh, family and friends around in, uh, in Chicago and, and a lot more family in, uh, in Poland. So uh, we, we do a decent amount of uh, a decent job, of, a really good job of keeping in touch with uh, with everybody and, and uh, making sure that everyone <laughs> Drew Connor. What up, Drew? Yeah, that's high, sure that, high uh, praise from Drew Connor being called a legend. Yo, me, not many people know this, but Drew and I are the original fire freestylers and shout out to Tony Keys who started that whole, that whole movement. That was so much fun when we were playing in the Academy in the Chicago fire, which we'll hopefully get to later. But, uh, yeah, so <clears throat> grew up in Poland or sorry, born in Poland, grew up in Chicago, uh, now transitioning kind of more to the soccer phase. Uh, I actually started playing basketball first when I was young, I had a neighbor and basketball and baseball, but it was never really organized. It was more just for fun. Uh, I had a neighbor, a, a Puerto Rican neighbor, him and his grandfather used to just, uh, he was really good. You know how, you know how they, uh, like they have the, the hitters that can hit, they know how to hit pop flies, yeah. you know, round balls. They can hit like, they can literally hit a ball like exactly how they want. Uh -huh. And that's what we used to do in the alley. So we just, they, they gave me a mint and we would just, you know, uh, practice throwing the ball to each other, playing basketball because he had a rim. And then uh, there was this local Polish club team. I don't know if you ever played against them, but they're pro kind of, um, uh, a big deal in, in Chicago. They're called AAC Eagles. Mm -hmm. um, and they've been around for for a long time. Uh, and so they were doing, there was a club team that the AAC Eagles was having, they had club teams that were, that were doing some soccer practice. And my uncle took my uncle took me and my, my cousin to one of those trainings. I couldn't even tell you how old I was. I think I was maybe seven or eight or six or seven, something like that. I was very young. And, uh, and ever since then, that first training, it was pretty much soccer all the way around for me. Uh, I started, I mean, I was dabbling with obviously both basketball and baseball. The baseball was, like I said, more for fun. In high school, I played basketball. Um, I was a freshman on the sophomore team. But then things started getting serious. Eagle Schwab and big Chicago matchup, yeah. Uh, and then um, I lost my train of thought. Uh, oh, so I, the, the soccer, the soccer was almost always number one for me ever since I started going to, to Eagles practice. And um, yeah, once things started moving, uh, it was one of those things where uh, I knew from a very young age what I wanted to do with my life. And that was to become a professional footballer. Um, I would, I would sleep with the, with the soccer ball and, and, uh, at my bedside and, and wake up. And the first thing I would do is uh, you know, obviously go to school and after school do my homework and then just literally train all day, every day. 
whether that was by myself in a house juggling, listening to music and learning new freestyle moves, uh, bouncing the balls off the wall on freshly painted walls, and my parents just losing their minds, or whether it was outside, uh, you know, there was a high school not too far from us called Garen Prep, and they used to have a little patch of grass over there with like a little nice hill. So I was, uh, I was very set and goal driven on becoming a professional soccer player. That was, that was my dream. And, and I made a promise to myself when I was very young that I would, I would not give up until I got there. Um, and, and, uh, and now I'm here, which is really cool uh, to be able to have lived through it, through some good times, through some bad times um, and seeing it all through. But um, I, so most of my adolescent life was grew. I grew up playing with AC Eagles, and you can feel free to interrupt at any point if you got questions or whatever. I'm just gonna kind of freelance it and go off of. Uh, hey, you do your thing, man. So, uh, so I ended up playing most of my adolescent life uh, with AC Eagles. I had a really good coach that I actually keep in touch with now. He has his own academy. Um, his name is Tomek Dronjek, uh, and he was my he was my coach growing up with another guy called Robert Stein, who played professionally overseas in Argentina and and played in Poland. They actually both played in Poland. So Tom, Tomek played in uh, he was he he was a product of Podla uh, not Podlasie, Pogon Szczecin, which is uh, a first division team in Poland. He grew up in their academy, and their first team played over there. Came over here, and then. Uh, started helping out with AC Eagles. Same thing with Robert. He played somewhere in over over in Argentina. I think he played in Poland as well. So they had a lot of good background and uh, in terms of helping us develop into the players that we wanted to be. And, and uh, right around, I would say maybe middle school, late middle school, uh, before high school. That was right around the time when the Chicago Fire Academy was doing was created, and they were holding tryouts, hosting tryouts, and, and Tomek Dronjek. Uh, you know, I have to thank him a lot for being able to take care of not only myself, but, but the entire team that we had. And he was uh, very adamant about making sure that we all go try out, uh, at least show ourselves to these coaches because it was a great opportunity. Uh, and that's kind of, uh, that's kind of what happened. Uh, I ended up going and, uh, on the tryout and not placing, but uh, I went, not placing the first time, but I went to a couple more uh, trials and then ended up making it as a develop developmental player and that's how I placed so basically right around the time around like the end of middle school beginning of high school I want to say maybe freshman year sophomore year uh, I realized that if I were to be able to make this team I would be able to be one step closer to, to being where I wanted to be and that's how I saw it and that's where I, what I wanted to do with my life and like I said, I completely uh, devoted myself, obviously, outside of taking care of everything I needed to do academically and, and with the family. That's kind of what my, what my MO was. And, and uh, being placed on the developmental roster was uh, a challenge, obviously, because you want to be on the first team. But uh, it was it was good to to be able to see and compete with all the local talent around. And, and I knew uh, I knew where I wanted to be and I knew how, to, how I needed to get there. And I saw the uh, the amount of talent that that was that was being placed in the first teams and, and also that was competing to be a part of the first team. So um, that was that was a really good challenge for me, because at that point, I, I pretty much doubled down. Uh, I was playing with the Eagles. I was training with the Eagles, playing with the Eagles. I was training with the fire academy as a developmental going to their training sessions um tomek the coach from ac goes he also had a, a a men's amateur league team 
uh, in the Polish league called Podlasie, and the assistant coach Robert Stein was also playing for them too. Oh, wow. uh, so he would he would he would tell uh, like the guys that made the cut to come train with us. So there was a, a handful of us that would go, uh, and then I, I would be playing on my high school team. So in between A Seagulls, in between Podlasie, in between. Um, high school and fire academy i was playing <coughs> on four teams three or four teams Dish. um yeah shout out to my parents for my dad for always taking and uh my, my friend's parents for always carpooling and making uh making the sacrifices and commitments for us to be able to to follow our dreams that's a big uh and those, big, those aren't uh those aren't necessarily right next door to each other training places no no so my dad works my dad works on the south side uh and so he would have to drive back home to the west side and then down back down to to uh to Toyota Park where we trained. So it was a lot on him. But then, once I got my license, I was able to do my own thing. So, um, but there was a period in time where we had to drive back and forth. And my parents, uh, you know, I, I think that for that because uh, without them, I don't think uh, I would definitely not be here. So, like I was saying, between those four club teams, it was uh, it was a lot, but I loved it. It was uh, one of those things where I was able to do a lot on my high school team because we weren't very good. We had a good, we had, we had a decent team, but it wasn't anything to the level of like my AC Eagles team or obviously not a, a fire to fire Academy team. But you know, it was, it was good because I got to see a lot of different angles and a lot of different perspectives because I was playing different positions. So, I mean, you only know me as a striker, but when I was growing up, I was a left center back, left back. Oh, wow. And, wow. Uh, and that's how, and that's how I ended up uh, starting Start, that's how I, that's how I started playing with the Fire Academy. I was playing as like a center back with the Eagles, and they would throw me up as like a like a holding mid. Um, high school, I was pretty much like the number ten. I mean, I was the playmaker, but I was I was able to go all over the place. Um, and then Podlasia, I was more of like a playing on the men's league team. I was more of like a, a role player. So I got to experience all different kinds of things. I got to be the guy in high school. I got to be the role player where, you know, I wasn't getting consistent amount of time, but I was uh, trusted enough by my coach to be able to play a, a specific role or position, you know, whether that was a left back or whether that was a left winger or a striker or, or whatever it was. Um, and uh and so like i was saying i got to experience a lot of different playing positions and a lot of different perspectives and angles and and, and i got a i got a grasp of fully understanding the game and from from different positions uh and then eventually i ended up making it to the uh, to the first team with the academy and then at that point i had to choose between whether i wanted to play basketball or soccer and at that point that was an easy decision to make um uh, and then it started i started kind of I committed 100 percent to the to the fire academy because that was my best chance of going pro uh or being seen to go to the next level right. uh so i didn't really i kept in touch with everyone uh in my high school team and and uh and, and eagles and all that but i i put all those other teams aside except maybe i would maybe play with podlashi at the time as well uh just because that was a really good experience because it was older dudes and i was 15 16 you know so that was a different game for me so i between it was it was i was 100 percent committed to playing with the fire academy and then whatever time i got i ended up going back to playing with one of those two teams um and yeah i mean the fire academy was great uh it was great because uh there was no cost associated with being a part of the team you know the, the first team took care of all the costs which is which is great and, and uh something that helped out my parents financially obviously not having to pay to uh to park to play uh but yeah uh 
it was great because I was young uh, and, and I was part of a, a team where I was competing with the best local talent in Chicago and uh, I was able to make a lot of good friends and we would compete against a lot of good teams and, and go to different showcases and, and obviously met a lot of different people and, and coaches that were also part of helping me take that next step. And um, yeah, man, it was just a lot of fun, dude. A lot of fun to be able to compete with guys like Drew Connor, Harry Ship, Chris Ritter. Um, I'm, I'm forgetting off the top of my head, but Connor Holloway, uh, Chris Prince. Some big names. Victor Pineda. He was he was like he was big time coming up, a bunch not to mention fires. Yeah, we were stacked, bro. We were stacked, but we unfortunately couldn't win anything. We got so close so many times. And what's and, uh, uh, what's the story with with you and Drew? The originals, the the original fire freestylers. So yeah, what's that? We would uh, t uh Tony Keys was uh so but I mean Lu the the original coaches were Louis Mateus who was the head coach, and then there was Alex Hernandez which we all called Flex TK which is Tony Keys, and I'm forgetting maybe a couple more guys. Um, but our coach was uh, Tony Keys and, and Flex, and Flex was more of the uh, – it was it was like a good cop, bad cop routine. Flex was the really, really hard guy who pushed us all, and he didn't really care who you were. If you, if you were messing up, he would tell you, uh, which is really good. We all needed that. And then TK was more the the technical guy, and he, he was uh, – they – all had really good session plans. It was just the different personalities with the, with both of them mixed in really well together. Um, and we ended up sometimes staying after training just to, you know, get some extra working with TK and TK would always help us out. And we ended up making uh, uh, like a juggling video. And we ended up having, I think it's on YouTube still right now. I think if you type in like fire freestylers, I forget what, what year it was. I'll, Maybe it was I'll like try to link it. Oh, six or oh seven or oh eight. I don't know if Drew's still on. He could probably tell you what year that was, but we made two of them actually. And the first one we made indoors, I can't remember where it was. I think it was in Barrington somewhere uh, to this like really cool acoustic instrumental. It was so dope. Uh, and then we ended up making another one. We were on a road trip somewhere. I think on a showcase we were playing. Um, and we ended up doing another one and it was kind of like a little bit more story to it where it was like i would drew drew i was i was walking past drew was like just juggling the ball and it was edited to where i was like walking across and i like double take then i saw drew and drew saw me and he gave me like a what's up and i was like yo what's up and he shows me the ball and i'm like yo let's go and then we ended up doing like all these cool freestyles uh um, we, we need to get that back out people I, need I think to it's see up that. there somewhere i can't remember what it's called i'm gonna have to find it and, se and send it over to you guys but uh and then there was like you know how you know how uh, in Space Jam there was the 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 magic water the magic juice yeah. that we did one of those things where you had the ice. You know, Drew got injured and then we took him to the athletic trainer and TK had the magic spray and then we ended up getting back out to the field. So it was uh, fun times, definitely great times. Did uh, did did you ever go through one of uh, TK's core workouts? Did he ever put you through those? I. I can't remember if I've ever done one of those core workouts. I probably probably end up doing something. Um, he was my uh, he was my PDL coach, and he like brought out this DVD of him of doing these workouts, and he made us do it. And yeah. I was I was so impressed at his age. He was killing all of us young guys. TK was like the fittest guy I think, in comparison to like every other coach that I've had. Like super fit so he was always about uh being uh about about staying active and staying healthy and, and that's kind of one of the things that that i took away from tk is just uh being able to 
TK90 core. That's what it was. Was that what it was? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but I think, I'm pretty sure we ended up doing some core work with TK, but we used to do some crazy stuff when we were at the academy. We used to run, we used to do uh, strength. And, so we used to go inside the locker rooms, like where the first teams were, and, the, and between the away locker room and the home locker room, they would split us into two groups and we would do insanity. And I think it was two or three groups like rotating at a time. So there was one group that was in the hallway doing like either ball work or some sort of med ball toss or some sort of explosive work. And the other group was in the in the uh, in the locker room in the home locker room or the away locker room of the uh, at Toyota Park doing insanity. And we would do we would rotate. So if you were the second group or the third group going in, dude, when you walked into that locker room, it just reeked of straight oh, like sure. sweat. And it was oh. but it was super cool. Man. It was like and flex and, and flex would be in there. TK would be in there. Uh, yeah, dude, Drew is literally commenting. Literally, the, all the experience I'm talking about, it's like Drew is literally right there with me. Like, my dad drove me half an hour to Toyota Park so I could do an insanity DVD workout. Literally, all, <laughs> all the way from Crystal Lake. Um, but yeah, when you if you were the third, second, second group in or third group in, you were at that point like, not only was it very difficult, but you walked into that room and that that smell just hit you right in the face. But Flex was in there, TK was in there, and they were pushing you. It was it was no joke. So they took it very seriously, and and um, and and it was it was just a very very good experience uh, in general. They used to make us do di not diary entries, but they were like journals. So we would have to we would train, and then like on the weekends when the fire would play, we, they would give us all tickets, and we would have and we as a group we would all sit together and we'd watch them play. And depending on your specific position, or they would tell you a position, or you could pick a position, or player to watch, uh, you would be you would have to you know track his movement, put a plus where he had a good positive. Like they would give you a sheet of paper with the with the. Oh wow! You were doing stats for the team. Literally, and you would and you would you know say like okay if it was for me it was Brian McBride always. Um, and I would, you know, track his play. Like, okay, good hold of play, play out wide, made a good run in the box. Okay, lost the ball negative right here or minus point right here, something like that. Um, so that was that was another cool thing that I remember just off the top of my head that we used to do. Um, what else did we used to do? I, I just real quick want you you know, you said you were the man in high school, and I feel like you're you're underselling yourself. Was I saw a fifty point season, nineteen goals and twelve assists. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, I mean, don't sell yourself short on that. It was high school ball. It was, it, was, it was great. It was so much fun, man. Like those, those are the days where we, uh, I mean, you're discovering who you are as a person. You're meeting new people. Um, you're balling with your boys. So obviously, you know, it was a different type of competition. You know, yeah. I wasn't really ever going to lose my spot, but it was because of all the experiences I've had playing with, um, you know, fire and, and the men's league team and and uh and eagles i was uh on a little bit of a different level compared to the guys that were playing at high school and and the game was a lot it was slowed down for me basically because we trained at such high intensities at all the other clubs i was able to the game just came so slow to me i was able to read everything so much so much easier and get out of pressure or be able to do a lot more so yeah i did have a a, a good uh couple of years in high school yeah. 
and um, and that was just that was that was so much fun. I don't remember as much of, of the goals as much as I do the experience and playing with all my friends and, and growing up together for those four years. But yeah, it was a lot like, of fun, man. I feel like that's the best part of high school ball is just like being with your friends and like going from school to a game and all that. It's just a, yeah. it's a fun experience. Too many, too many fun times. It's all fun right, so so I want you to get into then uh, where you decided to go to university. Uh, what that decision making was like, and then uh, kind of like the first year experience. Were you starting right away? That type of thing. Uh, okay, so in between me making the first team, and then obviously uh, there was a transition year where I think a bunch of the Magic guys came over with Soleil, who was the coach, who was also a fantastic coach. Um, that was another point in time for me where I was like, oh crap. I made the first team and now all of a sudden all these dudes are coming in. This was like Brian Lunar, uh, Harry Shit, uh, Connor, uh, Chris Ritter, all these dudes that got ended up signing like homegrown contracts. Yeah. They ended up Tyler Angle. They ended up coming over and, uh, and they were basically forming a new team with Soleil. So I had to try out again. And, and thankfully I made the cut there. And that was the time when I transitioned to being from playing as a defender to a striker. And, I couldn't even remember, dude, how that happened, bro. Like, I was bigger. I was always a bigger guy. So, but I was always slow. So, there was one game where I think they just threw me up top, and I just started scoring goals. And then I would come on either as a sub, or I would get the the the, the time to be able to do something on the field. And 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 ever since then, I was I was recruited as a striker. Um, and there was a couple of teams that were interested. Like, I was I was very. I wanted to stay close to home, not too close to home, to where I can get like the college experience, but also be close enough to something. If I wanted to, if I wanted or needed to go back home, I could. So right, I was interested in all the UICs and the DePauls and the Bradleys, which is where I eventually uh, still. Uh, <laughs> Yo, oh man, you know Drew is literally knocking these comments out of the park right now. Uh, so I was interested in all the DePauls and the UICs and, and uh, the Bradleys who I ended up com uh, committing to. And at a point in time, there was uh, Georgetown was an option as well, but academically, I wasn't I wasn't strong enough to, I wasn't strong enough to get in. Um, but but Bradley was kind of it hit it hit a sweet spot for me because when I went on the visit uh, at the time, I mean they, the stadium is beautiful. Shea Stadium is awesome. It's a grass field um they take very good care of it and and everything was um and everything was just it, it all lined up everything was lined up perfect for me to to be able to do what i wanted to do and and there was a lot of great players that were playing there at the time christian Meza, keith mock brian gall um, bobby smith it was just a lot of good players so yeah um that's that was my reasoning for going to bradley was that it was that was close and and um and it was a very good program that produced a lot of professional players and they were successful uh, in terms of getting to the NCAAs and winning conference tournaments and all that type of stuff. Um, so I committed to Bradley. Uh, and it was kind of the first year was the first year in terms of the transition year was kind of tough. I mean, I've obviously gotten to experience playing with older guys and, and all that. But this was different. You know, this was the playing college where you where you were uh, a student athlete, where you had to take care of things academically. And things were a little bit more rigorous in terms of uh, the academics and, and uh, the athletics as well. So uh, after passing the fitness test, which 
was not too easy, dude. It was a, it was a two on one. I mean, I bet every college has their way of doing things, but ours is pretty difficult. Bradley is um, notorious, I feel like, for your fitness. You guys, yeah. I mean, so he, he, what I'm trying to get at now is is we definitely had a style of play that was not that was different from everyone else in the sense that 2010 we were playing, dude. 2010 to to 14, we were we were a man marking team. We man marked for my four years of, of college. Um, and we started playing in a flat back four, uh, in like like zonal flat back four, we're like a straight up four four two. Um, my freshman year. And I didn't really get, I got a decent amount of time, but it was difficult for me to transition into a different um, system, a man marking system. It yeah. took a, a while for me to be able to buy into that. And not only myself, but, but a couple of, a, a decent amount of the freshman class that was there too. You know, it's not many of us growing up are, are, uh, are conditioned to, to man mark. I mean, obviously, you know, you yeah. have your, your drills, but this was like, the way we did it was we picked their best two or three guys team and we put our best two or three defenders on them. And that was it. We played, we played with the, yeah. with the sweeper pretty much. That was a center back. And we and and you and those three guys that pretty much just try to take their, their their best guys out of the play. Our three defenders try to take their best three guys out of the out of the game. And whether that was a striker dropping twenty yards to get the ball, that defender was dropping twenty yards to go with him. And uh, it was very very unorthodox, but it was successful. Um, I mean, credit to Jim DeRose. I, I don't know. I mean, they don't they don't play man marking anymore just because it doesn't. I don't think it works anymore. To be honest, I think they're the the level overall of of all college teams and players, I think has yeah. has, uh, has has risen to the to 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 be able to understand and recognize the numbers game and uh, and how to play around that type of stuff. <clears throat> um, so it took me a while to be able to transition into in, and buy into the Bradley the Bradley way. Uh, we started playing in a flat back four, but we just got waxed, dude. We would get we would get we would get destroyed, and it was at a point of time where it was like a very it was very sensitive for it was very time sensitive like we needed to figure out a way to start winning because <clears throat> we were dropping too many points in the in the tournament or uh in the conference in conference games and and all that stuff so our captain was was like dude coach we just want to do whatever we need to do to win and he's like are you guys sure he's like we're gonna go back to man marking if that's the case and we're like all right let's do it and we ended up winning our conference tournament uh beating creighton in the conference tournament on a sick goal by Keith Mock, like, and it was just unreal. The, the experiences playing against a team like Creighton, where at that point I think they were in the old Big East, and they had like really, really good players that were playing, and, and we beat them in our stadium, um, and we ended up get drawing Tulsa first round uh, in the NCAA tournament. We ended up losing uh, to Tulsa, but then that first year for me was kind of like a. I had to I had to buy into a system that I wasn't comfortable with, but I also had to kind of leave my ego off to the side and just be like, all right, this is better for the collective group. And it paid off in the end. So it wasn't really too difficult in terms of uh, transitioning from like sophomore, junior year to be able to to stay with the man marking because we were successful at it. So and we recruited well in, well as well. So we got we had guys like Brian Gall, Christian Meza, Aiden Quinn, who was with us freshman year, but but he transferred to Akron after. Um, 
Christian Okk, who, who came later. There were some. We had some pretty special attacking players, and we also had Jason Kuhn, Zach Novakovic, guys that were able to just lock down players. Michael Nat, like Bobby, our captain. These guys, we had the right blend of guys where we could take care of things defensively, and then have the right guys to be able to make plays for us and score goals uh, and yeah. win games. So. Our freshman year, we ended up winning our conference tournament and then uh, losing to Tulsa. Sophomore year, we got an at-large. Uh, we did we we got an at-large and we drew. I think Creighton first round. I can't remember off the top of my head, but we drew Creighton first round. That was when they had Ethan Finley, and dude, just ballers. And we got we 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 that year, that second year. I'm pretty sure they they remembered the loss from uh, from the previous year before. So. Uh, they gave it to us sophomore year. Um, junior year, junior year we didn't do too well. We uh, we didn't make it. We lost early in the conference tournament, and um, and we didn't make it to the NCAA's. Senior year is kind of where I came, uh, where I had a little bit more. Now, now junior senior year is where we're transitioning into. Now I'm an upperclassman. Now I'm the guy that you know is seen as a leader um, amongst. We had a we had a, a freshman class of thirteen, and I think we had like nine or ten uh, by our junior senior year. So we had a good a good junior senior class going into 2014. And for us, we were coming off a losing season, and and we wanted to to make sure that we left uh, left our legacy. And that's what um, that's what that's what Jim DeRose and and Brian Barnett and, and all the other coaches um instilled in us is you you leave the program either that you you leave it better than what you had it when you came in and and uh and senior year that was that was my goal um i at no point doubted that i was ever going to make it i knew that it was going to be very hard um i didn't know what the future was going to hold because it was my senior year um obviously there's things outside of soccer like you know academically what am i going to pursue and we all struggle with this when we're soccer players graduating if you've gone to college or if you haven't i mean it's that's a normal part of life is trying to understand and trying to figure out you know how can i pursue what i love to do but also be able to you know have a backup plan and for me like i said i never doubted that i was going to be able to play pro but i also needed to take care of what i uh, needed to academically to be able to to have that in case something were to happen because soccer is very unpredictable and you never know what can happen. So uh, my senior year, um, obviously, I took care of the academic stuff and then <clears throat> literally any free time I had, I was doing any I was doing work whether it was uh, whether I was in the gym working out uh, with the coaches or there was a room right next to the gym so. And this was when they renovated it all, renovated it all. So we had a new rec center. We had a new like place for all the athletes to go and, and a whole new strength and conditioning um, gym. So right next to the gym, there's like storage unit, but it was pretty big. And that's where they kept like the tires and the vert maxes and all the stuff. And, and there was this wall there where it was like maybe a, a square seven by seven, eight by eight, pretty decent. Like on one side of a wall, wall here, wall there. And I would perfect. go there literally after, yeah. And I, you know what I, I regret not not like recording myself doing that when I was doing it back then, because I think I would have been able to start something special. But, um, but that's what I would literally do. I would finish my homework, uh, finish anything I needed to do, and then either go lift or go get extra touches in. Uh, and and 
and that was my mission was to be able to to be successful on the field and, and help the team be successful and then you know if i took care of and what we and what we needed to take care of if we took care of what we needed to take care of and individually take care of what i needed to take care of i thought that you know i would be in a good place to be able to to put myself in a position to, to go to the next level and make that jump. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I think too, you also, I think it showed on the field, you get Missouri Valley Conference Player of the Year. And yeah. uh, I believe NCAA Assist Co-Leader tied for yeah. that. So obviously yeah. that hard work is is paying off on the field as well. Yeah, it was, it was, it was a lot of fun to be able to have that pressure too. I mean, that was, that was another thing is, um, you know, now it's on us. It was it was on me and the and the entire senior class to be able to to do something and prove prove to ourselves that that we're capable of doing it without the likes of Brian Goller, Christian Mazer, the guys that led us before, and and um, and and we were able to do that. We had a decent year. We we brought in some 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 players like Alan Badad and Aaron Burke and. Um, Cody Wilkins, I believe that is his name, but Cody also joined us. Um, and we had a very special team, and, and we were able to do a lot of cool things and, and win a lot of cool games. And we were, we actually beat number one Akron at Akron. Um, I can't remember off the top of my head what other kind of big results we had, but um, we were able to win our conference tournament. Um, and then we were able to, and we drew Northwestern at Northwestern. And I remember I, Northwestern for us was always a rival game because we never – we played him maybe once during the fall, but we always played him during the spring. And it was just a very competitive game and very heated because obviously we're Illinois schools and, mm -hmm. you know, we were private school and it's Northwestern. They were Big Ten, so we wanted to prove something. And spring season, we ended up beating them. And then fall season, I think we beat them as well in the regular season. And then we drew them again in, in the, uh, in the, in the uh, tournament, in the, in the NCAA tournament. And that was like the game where I was like, oh, damn i literally got everybody coming through like i got my parents i got family i got coaches i literally pull up to the stadium i see gonzalo Sagares. i see guys from the fire coming because they were trying to recruit uh they were trying to see if chris ritter was going to be the guy for them as a homegrown you know and i'm sitting yeah. there thinking to myself you know these guys man like these these guys all got the opportunity or they're they're getting the look you know and and for better or for worse Maybe I'm not getting that look. Maybe I am. Maybe I'm not. Maybe they're taking me into consideration or not. But this is my opportunity to prove them. And uh, and we ended up playing Northwestern. We ended up winning three two. I scored a brace. I scored the I scored the game winning goal. Two headers. One of them was a set piece. The other one I can't remember what it was, but it was unreal, man. It was so much fun, dude. So many so many people came out to watch us play. All my old coaches were there. Like I was saying, the guys from the fire were there as well. Uh, you know, I don't know how much how much of the uh how much if the program like guys were actually seriously scouting bradley because we are so different we were we were just we we're like i was saying we were man marking it was just very very weird the way we played but it was successful and we ended up winning and beating uh beating northwestern then we drew uc cal berkeley guys like with the well, Christian Dean was on that team who used to play for the Chicago Fire. Mm -hmm. uh, Steve Birnbaum, who plays for, who's a national team player now, and he plays yeah. for uh, DC United, I think. I think that's Alex right. Alex Dunley, who used to play for the Philadelphia Union. Like, they had a squad, dude. And we ended up going out there, and it was a really, really quick turnaround. So I think we played on a Saturday, a Wednesday or a Saturday, and then we flew out to California and played out there, and we ended up losing 2-1, but I ended up scoring. 
Um, and at that point, I thought it was like, oh, dude, I thought it was it. And then I got a call uh, from my head coach at, uh, at Bradley Gym, and he was telling me that, actually, I don't even know how this came about. I ended up getting a call from Seattle Sounders from uh, not the, the assistant coach who's the head coach now. I forget his name. Anyways, he ended up, uh, they ended up contacting me and they wanted to see me again, play again, because they saw what they saw in the, uh, in the tournament. And so they had a, there was a Seattle Sounders combine that they were doing, and they invited a bunch of, uh, a bunch of guys to come out there. And, uh, and I did my thing over there, and, and that was uh, good enough for them to be able to invite me to the combine. Uh, and I went to the MLS combine, and I was in the whole MLS draft and all that. Uh, I thought I showed well, and, and it just, for whatever reason, didn't go my way pause at that point right there i'm gonna take you back half a, or half a semester because that's when i started actually playing with bridges so that senior year the, the transition from junior to senior year is when i started playing with bridges i heard about him before but uh i was in between playing with the fire so every off season i would play with the fire and then my junior year for some reason i ended up playing with bridges how did and, you uh, how did you hear about bridges Originally. Um, well, we would always train at at, uh, at Soccer City in the off seasons, so I would always go there, and that's kind of where I met Brett and Jeff and and uh, and Honest. I think Honest was like one of the first dudes I met, and they basically just kind of told me how what the what the what the situation was with this club. And Quavis was there still when Quavis was playing. Actually, okay. Quavis, I think it was Quavis and Honest was like the first two dudes that I met and Colin. Uh, and so they ended up telling me how 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 the the system, how the team works, how Bridges is all like what what their mo is, what they try to do, and try, obviously try to bridge players from playing in college to the pros. They have their own agent, whatever, blah blah blah. So junior into senior year, I don't know why I didn't play with the Fire, but I ended up going in and and uh, playing with uh, with Bridges. And I think I went to like one training and they're like, yeah, this was at the time when the Bridges was doing the European tour. So it's different now because it all kind of changed because right. past don't, there was a couple donors that, that, uh, that passed away, unfortunately. And then soccer's kind of took over the whole thing. And now it's mostly like a soccer's feeder instead of the, its own entity where they would take guys from all over and go overseas to go play. And that's kind of how it all started junior year. Um, during the summer, in between it was like the break summer break and i didn't play with the fire and i ended up going and play with bridges and we ended up going overseas and, and that's kind of how uh how i how i started that relationship with bridges uh and now fast forward to not making the draft um that was at that point when i didn't make it is when i signed my contract with bridges my representation contract with bridges and and then I ended up going on trial overseas and I went overseas to a couple teams that we played for. Um, I went to Young Chile, which at that point, Paul Tracy was there. Aaron Nichols was there. There was another guy that was there as well. That's uh, an old school Bridges legends right there. That's an old school Bridges legends, dude. Uh, so they were there cause they played, they, they wanted them to come in and they actually wanted me to stay when I was over there. Uh, they were, they wanted to keep me there, but I told them I had uh, a responsibility to my teammates back uh, back in back overseas to finish out the senior year and uh, and see where it goes. So that when I didn't make the draft, those were my leads going in. So I ended up going to Young Sheila and uh, and I think 
I don't know, man. I, at that point, I think his name was TR or something like that. He, he didn't even let me run the fitness test. And I was pretty upset because obviously it's a lot of financial, you know, you, you commit to something uh, yeah. to go over there expecting that they give you a fair look and, and they don't. Half, you go halfway across the world, you want a fair shake at it. Yeah, exactly. So um, it, it was just... Uh, it didn't really work out in my favor. I was I was upset about it, obviously. But then I went uh, I went over to Finland and and I trialed with uh, Ilves FC, and that's where I got my first contract. I signed my first deal there, and uh, that was a that was an experience, dude, for sure. Uh, similar to like how my parents uh, came from Poland to America, as Penn and I went back. So I went from America back overseas, and. Uh, it was difficult. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't, it, everyone pretty much speaks English over there. As you know, you know, like everyone can communicate pretty well, but it was just a different country, different language, different culture. Uh, you know, it took time for me to be able to get used to the team. And um, at that point I was no longer a college player. At that point I was, I was a fully, fully professional player competing against guys that, that uh, wanted to be on the field just as bad as I did. Uh, mm -hmm. And, and uh, I did well. I mean, obviously if, if they weren't interested, they wouldn't have signed me. So I, I was able to, to, to stay over there and, and, and fight my way and compete into a, a starting position. And I started like the first game of the year. It was, it was really weird. I started the first game of the year, I scored. And then I, it was in between very inconsistent uh, throughout the rest of the year. And then at the end of the year, I was getting more, cons more consistent time. And then I was, and then, and then ended up scoring as well. So um, it was, it was good, dude. It was, it was, it was an eye-opening experience because, like I said, I was competing with guys that were much older, much experienced to the pro game. I was no longer a college player, so you know, college from the pros is completely different. And and uh, once my time was done with um, with Ilves, I ne I didn't necessarily like not want to be back. I I I. I I would have considered it, but for me, it was just like, I just wanted to go home first and then figure out what was next. I have, I've, at that point I've been, I was dating my Aga for a couple of years and I, I was missing her and my family and everything. So after the season was done, I, I needed to go home because I wanted to be, be back with my loved ones and figure out what was going to happen next. So I ended up coming back home. Uh, and that was right around the time where uh, Tim Regan, who was at Indy, excuse me, at Indy 11, was the assistant coach there, and his alma mater was also Bradley. So, the Bradley connection was what made uh, was what made my was was basically who what got me my second contract okay. in, uh, at Indy 11, uh, and this was 2015. 15. Uh, I think this was their second year, like uh, being fully professional, or as since their since their. Uh, inaugural year um and that was too that was that was it was fun because i was back home i was closer i was in india i was only a couple hours away from seeing my uh my friends and my family but it was the same situation you know it was i mean you know just as well as what's up alex alex salvino that's the dude i trained back home he just committed to ndo congratulations Notre oh, Dame. congratulations so yeah, I got a shout out to Salvinos because they're they always they always take care of, they always take care of me and they're really good people. Um, and uh, so Indy is where I started next, and that's where I, I met up with uh, Don, who was one of my teammates here, and Victor Pineda, who I grew up with, uh, grew up playing with, and Drew actually came on uh, on trial 
uh, as well. Um, and so I, there was a lot of familiar faces. And so that was, it was easier to transition to in comparison to, uh, to Eva's <coughs> overseas. Um, but it was still, uh, difficult. Man. I, w I had to compete with uh, a lot of good players to be able to get to get a starting get a starting position, and and we struggled to be honest to 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 make the playoffs. Um, we just couldn't get it figured out for whatever reason. Um, and uh, but still, it was a very good experience. Um, and we ended up having to the club let go of Jurgen Sommer, who was our first coach. Just is that Justin Braun? Justin Bronzon, that's the Indy 11 legend right there. Um, and so uh, we ended up letting go of Jurgen Sommer and then Tim Regan actually took over for a bit. Uh, and then we had a funny story, we ended up playing against the Cosmos. And uh, if you talk to Don Smart or if you talk to any of those, any of my teammates from Indy, they'll, they'll give, they roast me for this every time because I think this is my first goal that I scored for Indy. And it was against the Cosmos and it was while Tim was coaching uh and just my my celebration was trash i'm not gonna lie i was i was very happy that first of all i scored off i scored off like a a, a ball that got cleared up in the air it was like 30 yards up and i oh, i remember it, that i tracked it all the way down and i just one-timed it and it went in I and i was that. like doing, i was like i was doing like the mcgregor but it didn't look it didn't look like the mcgregor at all so it just it was like it was very bad and, and i ended up getting a lot of a lot of crap for it. guys like brad ring and don smart always getting crap for it but uh, i was very excited it was it was a fun, very fun time indy's a great city great club great following brickyard battalion is unreal every time you score a goal dude, they literally give you a brick and and they sign you know what game it was they put the date on it uh, and they write your name is it's really cool. So the community there and the support for soccer uh, is is awesome. I think we averaged like close to ten thousand people every game. Yeah, it was game. awesome. Strong man. community. It was it was really cool. And and I saw the ownership and and coaches. It was uh, I got I saying my girl saying I'm still working on the celebration dances. I am. It was it was uh, it was a very good experience. Um, the community in general is very strong, and they just love soccer over there. Um, and, and ownership or saw, saw that and, and, uh, and, the, and coaches saw that and we did a very good job of, of keeping in touch with the community and, and, and they did a really good job of helping uh, support us. So that, <clears throat> that whole NASL, man, that was, those were just the days, dude. That was so much fun to be able to play with, at Indy for indie but also to be able to play against like clubs like the cosmos and score against the cosmos or play against like raul when he was here or marco senna or samaras when he was playing for rio kc or dude there was just so many good players dude that were playing for for them and, and the competition was just unreal like it, it and to like to be on the same field as raul is like Unreal. This dude yeah. is like, yo, this, this dude are holding like he's got, like, he's like holding records of Champions League goals scored. Like this guy's the real deal. Same thing, Marco Senna, like Carlos Mendez, who eventually later be ended up ended up becoming my coach at, at New York Cosmos, which we'll get there. But legends like that, like though, it was just really cool the setup. And I'm I'm just a little bit upset that that the whole league diminished and it's not around anymore but but it was it was a lot of fun and connor tobin as well who's my teammate he played for north carolina neil Lavey, who's my assistant coach here he played for north carolina they played they played together at north carolina uh played against them actually um so 
yeah, like Minnesota or uh, Minnesota before they went MLS, they had a nice setup up there too, and yeah, that's where yeah. like, Ibarra was playing there before uh, before uh, your, your before Klinsman called him up. Mm -hmm. uh, what's the striker's name that plays for Houston now that he was he was playing there? Ramirez, uh, Ramirez Christian Ramirez, mm -hmm. like dude, like really really good players, man. So the the league in general is very strong, and and it was the, there were no easy games at all. Um, and uh and it was just a lot of fun to be able to 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 go experience those things and and play in those meaningful games and compete for points with teammates that i still play for here um and uh and and yeah so after indy oh so there was a transition in indy where we let go of the first coach Jurgen sommer tim regan stepped in cleverson okay <laughs> i so this dude i played I, and and I'll always remember this because this is just like a really cool, a really cool like experience for me was, uh, this is a World Cup winner. Cleberson is the O2. He played with all the best players in the world. They brought him in. He was our teammate. This dude, like in training, I'm not telling you. I'm telling you, like he would he would tell me like, look, just make your run. I will find you. And he would like sometimes there would be plays where I wouldn't have to say anything to him, and he wouldn't be looking at me. Dude, and he would literally put the ball exactly where I needed it. Yeah. And it was insane. Like there, there was this one play where in trading, you know, he there's a ball played over the top, right? And this is like we're building up and we're playing like a scrimmage. Ball gets played over the top. He's in the midfield. There's a defender on his on his shoulder on his left shoulder here. Ball comes over the top. He takes it down with his right foot. Bam! Holds the defender off, dude. And then he literally steps on the ball and like nutmegs the dude turns over his opposite shoulder and he's out of pressure and i'm standing there like i'm like clip clip and he does that i'm like all right he's got it like I'll just yeah, never mind. you know but uh, the stuff that this man would do it was unreal it was just so cool to be able to to come to play with guys on my team that like that were that played at very very high levels like like guy like cleberson or any of those other guys that Brad Ring played at played at uh, at a very high level, very good player. Dylan Mayers, like there was, we were stacked, you know, we were so good. Uh, and then so, <clears throat> that, sorry, that was a segue, but we ended up letting go of our first coach, and then Tim Regan took in took over, and then Tim at that Cosmos game that I scored, Tim ended up getting a red card, so he was suspended. The next game, Kled took over as head coach because at that point he was dealing with some injuries. Kled took over as head coach. And we were playing against North Carolina, and that's where Connor, one of my assistant coaches and a teammate of mine, so I played against them. And I ended up scoring, doing a better celebration, but Kleb was the coach. It's kind of a really cool memory of mine. So, uh, And then after Kleb, uh, that was just like a one-game thing for Kleb. Um, we ended up bringing in Tim Hankinson. Uh, and there was a little bit of a transition between years because they were looking for a head coach. And this was 2016. They were looking for a head coach. We were all on option years. They all signed our options, and they brought in Hankinson. Hankinson brought in some players, uh, and it was just a, uh, it was just a different setting, different different. Uh, everything was a little bit different. I mean, same guys, um, with the exception of a couple core group that came in, and and those were uh, those those were guys that were very very experienced. Uh, they spent a lot of money to bring those guys in, and and I was pretty much on the outside looking in. And uh, so what ended up happening was we ended up going through the whole preseason. 
uh, I ended up going over to go see Tim Hankinson to go see some constructive criticism, to go get some constructive criticism on what I could improve, what I what I needed to do better, this and that. And uh, for for lack of, it just wasn't going to happen. Hankinson was was not looking my way. He didn't really need me. So um, at, when I first heard the, that those words, I was obviously upset because. You know, I really yeah. liked it at Indy, and and and, uh, and I wanted to be there, but it just it just wasn't going to happen. So um, at that point, I knew I needed to get out. Um, at that point, I switched I switched my representation. I wasn't with Bridges anymore. I was with uh, Eddie Rock of Liberal Sports. Uh, we were able to find uh, OKC, and uh, I ended up making my way out to OKC, um, and that was that was. That was a lot of fun as well. OKC was also a good club, and they had really good players. And we were looking to uh, to do something special. Uh, the first year when I was there, well, I went there halfway through, so I got loaned out halfway through sixteen. Halfway through sixteen, and I ended up going out there. We ended up playing. Oh, Honest is on. What up, Honest? We ended up playing, um, uh, making our way to the playoffs. Uh, and having some some really good results, and then I, I I showed enough to be able to 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 sign a full deal with them for next year. So I had to eventually go back after my half a season loan with with Indy, and I ended up going back, and we ended up going to the NC or uh, and, uh, to the NASL finals, and we lost to the Cosmos, unfortunately. Oh. Uh, but that was really cool. That was a really cool experience too. Um, so I ended up signing a full year a full year deal to go to uh, to OKC. Um, and that was 2017, um, and we brought in a lot of a, we brought in a, a good core group, the same core group from last year, uh, from the year before, excuse me. And then we brought in some 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 different players, and we had the right blend of guys to be able to do it. We had creative midfield player players. We had a good back line where we were strong, strong, but we were quick and we were fast and we were aggressive midfielders that could know how to control the tempo and the rhythm of the game. And we had strike like Danny, strikers like Danny Koenig, wingers like Sebastian Delgard that were very, very creative, very creative and very effective in terms of scoring goals. And obviously myself to help out as well. Um, and and uh, and we started we started the year off really well, and we ended up playing all the way through and making it to um, to the playoffs. But before that, we were playing. I that was the, that was 2017 is when I suffered my first real injury, which was uh, when I broke my elbow. And that was like, for me, that was like a hard time to get through, I would say, because obviously it, it, I'm glad it happened the way it happened. Obviously, you don't want to ever be injured, but things happen in a game. And, and I ended up going up for a header. Um, I, had, I was chasing a Hattie that game because I was on a brace. And I was doing some – I was being very aggressive on the field. Um, and then I ended up going up for a header. And I ended up getting my legs sweeped out from underneath me, and I just fell on my elbow, and I shattered it pretty much. But I'm. It could have been a lot worse than it was because if it wasn't my elbow, it could have been you know something like a shoulder or something like that. So, yeah. uh, I'm just glad that I was able to get back to being myself uh, as a player. But that transition was was difficult because it was a good like 13 weeks, two and a half to three months where. I know I could play because I was, it wasn't my feet, it wasn't my legs. Like I could, I could get all the touch and everything, but like something as easy as like literally bending my arm here and here, like I couldn't do it. 
I literally couldn't do it. Like, and even now today I struggle with it. Like certain, like certain very small things, like they hurt. It's not that it hurts, but it's, it's not the same, but it's, yeah. it's, I, uh, it's as good as it will be, which is great. Cause I can do everything. I can do a pull up. I can snatch, you know, I, I can't like, I can't like throw, I, I can't do any sort of barbell. I could do barbell work, but I'm not going to risk it because I can't throw my elbow all the way back. So right. I did, I, there was a point where like in the off seasons, I love doing like CrossFit and I, I love doing like the hang cleans and the snatches and all that stuff. But it's just, it doesn't, it's not, it's, it won't, it wouldn't work for me now. So I just use like a kettlebell, which is a little bit more forgiving, but, um, but the, the injury was hard. Yeah. I think the the injury is interesting in two ways because one, it forces you to take a break from playing, which like, I mean, when do we ever take a break from playing? But then the other thing too, is like what you said, just moving your arm, like, you know, straight out, it, you couldn't do. And yeah. it's like, as an athlete, you start to almost think of yourself sometimes as like invincible. And then just how like humbling it is to, to not be able to do like a simple thing like that. I mean, you learn things about yourself that you didn't know before and you, and you appreciate your body for, for, for that. Like simple, simple mechanics I wasn't able to do. And, and, uh, and it, it was a different form of training that I was like rehab physical training physical therapy training that i wasn't used to and and that that was that was kind of what uh i needed to perfect to be able to get back on the field and and i was doing things on the side uh you know getting my touches in whatever but but that was that those three months were pretty difficult but it was i still had my mindset on, on coming back and helping the team so um i ended up coming back and scoring a, a few key goals uh in terms of securing playoff positioning then we drew Reno uh, at Reno, uh, and then I scored the only goal there, uh, which was probably, I would say, one of my nicest goals because it was like one of the – we ended up – Juan Pablo played a ball in. I dummied it to the to, our, to Miguel, who, who laid it off to me on a 1-2, and I just touched it, and I freaking spanked this thing, and it just went literally top bins. It oh. was dope. It was so dope. And then, the, and then the next game against San Antonio, I scored a really nice header to send it into OT, and we ended up going into PKs, and we won PKs. Hi, Paulina. Hi, Monica. Uh, and then we ended up losing to uh, Swope Park in the in the Western Conference Finals. Oh, but we were really gassed right. at that point, dude. We were so gassed, bro. Yeah, running on fumes. Running on fumes. And that field, dude, Children's Mercy Park, that field is gorgeous. Beautiful. But Beautiful. it's so big. And we just weren't we weren't used to playing on big fields, and like I said, we were gassed, dude. And and uh, and it was zero zero to be honest. We went to PKs. It was the craziest PK shootout ever. I ended up, thank God, scoring my PK. My mom to this day and my aunt were like, well, my mom wasn't at the stadium because she wasn't able to come out. But my my aunt and all my they were like they turned around as soon as they saw me walking up. Cause I wasn't in the original five, and then it ended up going all the way to keepers, yo. Oh, it literally wow. ended up going all the way to keepers. Oh, and wow. so I ended up stepping up and my mom was like, I couldn't even watch the TV. My aunt was at the stadium. She's like, I had to turn around. I couldn't even watch. And I was like, they, and they were like, oh, thank God you scored that PK. Because if you didn't, man, I would have been. <laughs> but I ended up scoring and I ended up like shit giving them a shout out. So that was nice. That was kind of like a, uh, a weight off my shoulders because PKs are kind of stressful, to be honest. Yeah, they're, they're a little stress induced with those. <laughs> yeah. So then after, after that following year in OKC, uh, I was in between agents because at that point, uh, Eddie left uh, Libero and he's now with the fire. Um, and I was looking for some more representation. That's when the NASL fell apart. Uh, um, and then I ended up joining the New York Cosmos, which 
Carlos Mendez there was my coach. And I think I saw a question on the live. Hi, Sab. I think we saw a question on the live is where my favorite or where was my favorite uh, club that I played for. Um, there's all the clubs that I've played for. Fantastic. I love them all. Uh, it's just New York Cosmos had something else to it, man. It was just, it was run the exact same way that in the old NASL days, like, like it was in the old NASL days. It was just, dude, it was so sick, dude. You walk into the locker room, you see pictures of Pelé, you see pictures of, uh, you know, all this, all these legends, dude, that played there, Raul. It's insane. In the same locker room, Danny Satella, who's been there for years now, Carlos Mendes, who's the coach who was once a player, like, phenomenal coach. Phenomenal I mean, coach. it's just, awesome it, it's like, it's like going to like the masters or something in golf. They're just such a rich tradition and history of being so much a part history. of that club. Dude, so much history. And it's like, you don't really, you don't really, I, you appreciate it a lot, but you don't really truly appreciate it until you see the Jersey with your number and your name on the oh, back sure. and, you, and you put it on and you're playing and they're telling you, okay, we're going to play the Cosmos way. You know, you're in it now. Like, and, and I was just, I was so stoked to be there, dude, and, and to play with guys like Danny Satella and Johnny Borajo, who, who played for Miami under Paul, uh, under Nesta, who played for AC Milan. Like, it was so sick. It was so awesome, and it and and it was great. Like everything we did was was uh, was the training sessions, the games, the just the, the structure and and the, the the environment, the culture. Everything was awesome, um, and it was just really cool to represent new york cosmos like i never i never in my wildest dreams like and that and that was a point you know transitioning from okc into what i thought was gonna be i thought i was gonna get a good deal yo i was like you know like for better for for better for worse i pretty much not carried the team through the through the playoffs but i scored some pretty big time goals you know so i thought i was gonna be able to uh get somewhat of a decent contract and then i was looking for different representation like i was saying and i was in between agents and and it didn't really work out in my favor, and and I signed with I ended up signing up with PJ with PJ, and, and I give PJ all the credit because he does a phenomenal job. He's awesome. So shout outs PJ if PJ's listening. Highland Sports Management. Uh, he ended up finding a. I ended up getting me to the Cosmos, um, and it was it was a very good year. It was it was just so much fun, dude. So much fun to be able to represent such a historic club, and and uh, like I was saying, I've never thought in my wildest dreams that I would ever represent or be able to play with and be coached by so many great players and play with great players. And but it was uh, it was so much fun. It was it was awesome. It was a great learning experience. Got to meet Rocco too, who now Rocco is the owner of Fiorentina. Like these are real people. Like yeah. these are real people that I've had conversations with. It's awesome. Um, so it was, I it think was a really, really cool experience. I think what's awesome too about, you know, something like New York Cosmos compared to maybe some of the other clubs is so many of the, the clubs in the U S are, are new clubs and don't have even maybe an identity yet. They're still trying to figure out what their, what their traditions are. And so then the, the difference of that to being with a club that's just historically so great, I'm sure it's just an incredible experience. Yeah, it was, and, and, and having a coach like Carlos, who's played for in New York for so long, he was with the Red Bulls, and then he was with the Cosmos for forever. He knows exactly what the Cosmos are all about, you know, from being a player to, to transitioning into a coach. Like, it was 100% the Cosmos way. We weren't going to change for anybody, and I don't think they did before I came there, and that's why they're so, so successful. So um, it was just so good, to, so great to be able to experience the New York Cosmos way, and that was just awesome, man. It was so much fun. Yeah. And then from there, I ended up joining uh, Hartford Athletic in their inaugural year. Um, I was actually on trial in Poland when I got the contract offer because I was 
uh, again, in between teams, like, uh, like so many of us are. And sometimes uh, you ride waves, man. It's like a roller coaster. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's some, some days there's good. Some days there's bad, but regardless, yeah. you still got to train, but all these thoughts are still going in your head. You know, it's, it, it can be kind of crazy to kind of hard to be able to deal with all of it. So I was on trial overseas in, in Poland with a club team um, called Motor Lublin, which is east of uh, Warsaw. Like an hour east of Warsaw, and I was there, and they 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 were they offered me a contract as well. They wanted me. They wanted to keep me there because I showed really well. And uh, at that point, I've had Jimmy Nielsen, and uh, Jimmy Nielsen was going to be the coach in, in Hartford, and he was the coach in OKC. So he knew of me. I, I knew of him. We've had a lot of success, you know, playing yeah. and working together. So it was, uh, and a lot of the guys from OKC, which is kind of funny, so all the Hartford fans are on here now. So. On Twitter, they would say uh, Hartford Athletic is the new OKC Energy, or it was like a, uh, it was like Hartford Energy, Hartford Energy, <laughs> Johnny, Hartford Energy signed uh, Wojtek Vucic, Jose Angulo, uh, Johnny Brown. Uh, oh, there was like literally seven or eight of us. Alex uh, Dixon. It was like insane. It was so funny. Uh, made so, the track back to Hartford. <laughs> yeah, and so we had we had a lot of uh, uh, high hopes and, and good expectations going into that Hartford year, but uh, it, it it wasn't what we thought it was going to be. Uh, you know, and anytime you're going, anytime it's a, it, it's the team's inaugural year. It's difficult, you know. Certain things aren't set in stone. There's a lot of moving parts and variables that outside the field that needed to be taken care of and stuff like that. So uh, those are things that were not in my control. So I didn't really worry too much about them. And, and, and Jimmy did it in the atmosphere that we all had together. So uh, it took us a while to gel and, and uh, we didn't really get off to a hot start. Um, uh, but we ended up picking it up towards the end and, and uh, it was good. I ended up finishing leading score, leading goal score, uh, had a, had a decent amount of uh, assists as well. And, um, and similar to at, at previous clubs that I've been to, like Cosmos, everyone knows who the Cosmos are. So the support there is phenomenal as well. Indy was yeah. phenomenal. OKC was phenomenal. Hartford was insane, though. Hartford was awesome because I think there's other than the Yard Goats, which is like a minor league baseball team, uh, Hartford doesn't really have any professional sports. Uh, you're either going to Boston to support player or to support any teams or you're going to New York because it's halfway and halfway. Um, and so when, when Hartford athletic came around, all these fans were just like there from, from, from like day one, they were there. Like, oh, wow. You supporter sections and everything. And, and, uh, and we all did a really good job of making sure that, that, that uh, we, we thanked them and, and went over there to every game at whether it was a win or a loss or a draw, we were, we were there with them and they were there with us. And, and uh, I have, we, we all have uh, them to thank f for that. And, and it was just really cool. They made a sign for me as well. I don't know if I was a fan favorite, but I, I, I don't like to think myself as, 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 as that, as, as if I was, uh, I, I have to say thank you, but it was, it was just so much fun to be able to connect with, uh, with all the fans there. There was also a very big Polish community there. Uh, they have a little Poland. It's called little Poland. It's in new Britain. Uh, so if you're ever out in, in the East coast and you're ever going to go check out Connecticut, uh, you should go check out little Poland. It's cool. It's, it's got, it's like one main street strip with like a bunch of Polish stores around it. And, uh, 
it's uh it's it's it was really cool and i was able to connect with a lot of a lot of really really cool influential people out there like darek bartikowski who's the consulate there um to uh the polish the polish consulate out there so we ended up having some conversations and organizing some stuff and i was part of the polish national home as well where i was able to to get some people to come over at, uh to come after the game we had a polish night which i think yeah was i was gonna ask you about like, that yeah i know you guys saw that it's funny because literally anytime i rewatch that uh that video that i made that that commercial it's like when i i obviously speak the language but if someone doesn't speak polish all you hear is blah 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 polska 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 la 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 polska polska and it's like i showed up the next day and literally everyone was like they were giving me a little bit of crap for it but it was it was it was a lot of fun man there were so many i think there was like 200 maybe 300 polish people that showed up and they all tailgated it uh before the game and i ended up going out there doing a podcast with uh with mike Furman. shout out to mike if you're if you're if you're listening or if you're watching and it was just a really cool atmosphere really cool environment and and the support for the club was uh unbelievable and and uh i don't know if you saw or heard but the the supporters the the hartford supporters were supposed to come out to uh new england when we play against the revs too um and i hope okay. that still happens i don't know with the, with this whole covid thing going on but yeah but uh, i hope to see everyone back in hartford hartford was uh hartford will always hold a special special place in my heart it was a lot of fun man it was we struggled on the field but but off the field it was it was a lot of fun to be able to to connect with uh to connect with my teammates and, and the coaching staff and and everyone involved with the project but also more importantly the community and all the polish people involved in there and not only polish people but but all the supporters and, and everyone that came out to the games and and came out and uh, hung out with us when we were you know doing appearances or whatever it's just people genuinely love the sport there and they then and they love coming out to games and we averaged i think like four or five thousand fans there as well so oh, wow. i ended up, I ended up scoring against scoring against indy um uh there's there's scored some some pretty nice goals there too some late winners some some uh some braces that won games and it was a lot of fun man it was a lot of fun i actually I, I don't know if i'll end up getting in trouble if i say this or not i don't think i will but it was a really cool story so i'll say it anyway so um i don't know if this is because my girlfriend aga comes in all the time but every time aga came in uh and she flew into hartford i would score and this was and just to give you a little bit of background Aga, Aga's family own a dance studio and she's very involved in dance and she loves dance. Uh, and so do I as well, because I'm a part of these shows and all that stuff. If you watched and you and you keep up with me, I do all that stuff. Um, and so we were, Aga flew in, I think like a couple days before the Atlanta two game and, and shout out studio jump. And, uh, and so Aga ended up coming out and Mulan Rouge. So, <clears throat> so there was a, a play called Moulin Rouge happening in New York. And we looked it up. It was going to be like, apparently the most amazing thing, like the most amazing musical ever. We went to go see when I was in, when I was in uh, New York, when I was living in Long Island playing for Cosmos, we ended up going to see Aladdin and it was like unreal. And then when I was in, when, when, when I got flew out to Hartford, she's like, we have to go see Moulin Rouge. Like we have to go see it. Like it's going to be unreal. I'll have to shed, I'll say, I'll have to send you some pictures and some photos, but dude, the entire theater was draped in red velvet. It was oh, like wow. a burlesque feel to it. Dude, it was so sick. So and we ended up going out there the day before the game. The day before the game, we go out, we went out there and it was like an 8 p.m. showing, 7 p.m. showing, whatever. We ended up going out there 
staying for the whole show, unreal. Like we're sobbing, crying. There's so many emotions. It was really, really cool. If you could listen to the soundtrack on Spotify, so dope. Uh, and then we ended up getting home at like 3 a.m. in the morning on game day, 3 a.m. Oh, wow. And I didn't start that game because I knew I wasn't going to start. So obviously if it was different. If I knew I was going to be starting, I would have obviously not went, but I knew I wasn't going to be starting. So I was like, I know this is risky, but I'm doing it because I really love my girlfriend and I want to go see this. So we ended up going out there, getting back really late, slept in, uh, ended up getting subbed in. We were down one nil against Atlanta. I ended up scoring, scoring to tie it, scoring to win it. Woo. And then literally, I, 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 that's the only reason why I'm saying it. Cause we won the game. I came off the bench and I scored a brace <laughs> to win it. And that's when you get, and that's when you saw the floss celebration. So a lot of, a lot of good memories. Yeah. I got saying I was so mad. I was really upset. I didn't, uh, I didn't really know what was going to happen. All I knew is I needed to freaking score when I got in. So I scored two and I went and we won the and game. And that's all that matters. That's all she wrote. <laughs> if, you, if you score, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You tell you tell your coach you, you did that, the next game he's telling you he's buying the tickets for you to go to a show before games. I should have wagered that to be honest, now that I think about it. <laughs> but there were some there were some really, really cool moments, man. We played against the Puerto Rico national team. Uh, that was really cool because there's a lot of there's a lot of the, the city of Hartford is very diverse. So there's a lot of Jamaicans, there's a lot of Puerto Ricans, there's a lot of uh, Polish people, there's a lot of a lot of different ethnicities out there in the Puerto Rico game drew a lot of fans. Uh, we also played against, uh, oh man, I forget the, the name of the Jamaican uh, team that we played. Um, but we ended up playing a team from the Jamaican Premier League and there was a lot of fans there for that game too. So uh, overall, it was a really, really cool experience. Scored some pretty cool goals. Uh, the Tampa Bay game was a really cool. That was that was probably one of my favorite goals because that, that header was just awesome. And it was just, we would be in these games and, and I knew, uh, I wasn't really getting... I wasn't, I wasn't in the beginning of the year, I was starting. And then I was, I accepted my role as being the guy, being the first guy to come off the bench. And this is now going into like, uh, doing what you can with what you can, with what you can control and not worrying about what you can't control. Right. So, you know, the decision for me to not, to not start consistently. Yes. That's on me because, you know, I train every day hard and, and the, that's on me, but sometimes maybe it's the way that the, the, the team the team that we're playing or maybe the coach sees it one way or the other that's his decision that's not on me like i can't control right. that but what i can control is if i get in then i have to make sure that i do what i need to do to be able to get to to show that i am capable of being in the starting 11 so 100%. there was a handful of games where i was uh where i was coming off of the bench and scoring goals and and i accepted that role and and it was it was really fun because you know at, at that point you know i i don't have to deal with the it's not stressful but you know i get to be able to sit back and watch the game i get to be able to look at the center backs and be like or the outside backs and see where where we expose space and how i can be able to be effective and find the right spots and timing and pockets to be able to be effective when i get in so that's kind of what i would do and and i know that i knew that jimmy was going to be calling my name at one point or the other i knew and 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 it was like the first time i it, later in the year i knew he was going to be calling my name in the beginning of the year, not so much because I wasn't really producing much. But the first time he let me out, I, I I did well, and then I started producing more. Maybe I got an assist. Maybe I got a, maybe I scored a goal here or there. But I knew at the, at one point or the other, Jimmy was going to be calling my name to go in, and so I kept thinking to myself, you know, watching these games, I'm like, all right, I just need to do 
I just need to take care of everything. I need to take care of all the small details. And then when it's my time to shine, I'm going to take that opportunity and I'm going to do it. So that was my mentality. Uh, Trying to just stay ready. Going into those games and understanding that I will get an opportunity to be able to do what I need to do. I just have to recognize when it comes, when it's, when it's, when it's happening, when it's developing during the game. And I have to be able to, to stay focused and concentrate and, and switch on enough to be able to convert that opportunity. And, and on a couple of occasions, I did that. And uh, oftentimes more than once in like that Atlanta game and, and the Tampa Bay game, which was, which was awesome. But um, it was, yeah, I mean, it, Hartford, was, Hartford was awesome because, you know, we all deal with things um, individually and collectively as a team. But that was one thing that I was kind of upset about uh, was, you know, I wish I was getting a little bit more playing time, but hey, if I don't get the playing time, I get in and I'm and I and I can help the team win or tie or whatever by scoring goals or getting an assist. Like I'll do that, and 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 it ended up working out in my favor. I ended up finishing uh finishing as the leading goal scorer, which is great. Pretty much, yeah. pretty much you can say arguably coming off the bench, which was uh which was kind of cool. Yeah, and I have to think too, even going back to maybe your youth career, uh, having some experiences where you weren't always playing when you were the youngest guy and learning to come in on being a role player that you're able to uh, better be prepared to have success no matter what situation you're given. Because you see some players, they, they're not starting and they come in as a sub and it's like they can't get into a rhythm, they can't contribute to the team. They get right. a couple outings and coach just puts them on the bench for the rest of the season. Right, and, and look, I mean, rotations are a natural thing. Like I assume that when we come back and we start playing this USL one season, there is, I think 20 of us, 22 of us. And there's not that, I mean, I'm the only like true target forward striker. I mean, we could have a different, a whole, di we could, we could look differently from game to game and it mm -hmm. is bound to happen because once we start playing, hopefully soon, it'll most likely be Wednesday, Saturday games. So there's no way that even if I wanted to play 90 minutes every game, which I hope to, you know, rotations are a natural part of the game. So yeah. whether you start and whether you start the game, on the bench or on the field, it doesn't matter. It's the way you finish it and the way you you take care of things as it's happening, as as developing. So, it was it was uh, it was good. And yes, I agree with you, man. Those all those past experiences helped me to be able to control and kind of like put things into my into my mind into perspective and you know how I can manage uh, how I can manage you know being in a certain situation at a certain time. Yeah, absolutely. Justin, what up? Should we take some questions or what? Yeah, I got a couple too. Um, Daryl Shore was, uh, I think, quoted as saying essentially like last year they didn't have an out-and-out -out striker um, and they're excited to, to, you know, have you in that role to score goals for the club. Uh, as a striker, you're used to a certain level of pressure. Uh, how do you deal with with the pressure mentally and, and all? Because, you know, other positions, if you, you can have success by, by things <clears throat> other than scoring a goal but as a striker you're kind of judged by assisting goals as the only yeah. you know, i mean uh, un unfortunately i mean fortunately and unfortunately that's that's the uh that's the the motto that i live by right you live and die by the amount of goals you score but um i don't necessarily i mean that's that's true and it's not true i guess you can say in a way because you could take a look at like an oliver giroud who didn't really score in the world cup but he did so much to help his team world mm -hmm. cup winner you know, 
uh, and by no means am I comparing myself to Oliver Giroud. I think he's a fantastic player. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of things that you could do on the field that uh, that can help your team be successful. Uh, for me, that's that's holding the ball and making sure I don't lose the ball and being uh, that player to link and to be able to help the team break from sitting in our own half and breaking from transitioning from defending into attack uh by holding the ball keeping it you know whether that's playing the 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 the, the midfielder underneath finding pockets to play those guys finding finding the wingers or whether i turn myself and i slip the winger in but you know uh i feel like less is more so as long as i can take care of what i need to take care of and this goes back to like kind of what i was talking about in the hartford thing you know control what you can control trust your teammates to do what they can too and then everything else will take care of itself. When you get the opportunity to to to, to get in front of goal and get a shot to get get a shot off or or make a play, do it. And if 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 it doesn't happen, you're for me, I'm in a position where I will get another chance. Like yeah. because I play as a striker. So I you can't get caught up in your own emotions too much. Like I like that that Reno game when I scored that banger in the warm-ups, literally I was hitting the balls like 20 yards over the crossbar bro i was literally skying them dude i was skying them and i was like all right i get it like it's a stressful game we're in the playoffs now just just get your mechanics down dude just get your and i would just hit them over and i was just trying to figure it out but towards the end i got it down and then i was just it's just about staying calm and understanding the situation and knowing that your teammates are there to help you and you're there to help your teammates and control what you can control. For me, like I said, that's holding the ball, battling up top, being a presence in between the center backs, exposing the space in behind when it's on. If not, I check in between. In between the lines to get a ball, touch, turn, play. If I could drop it to my midfielders, do that so they can face the game and then play a long ball in, or they could just keep possession, play the winger in out wide so he could set up for a 1v1, or maybe I could slip him in behind. These are all things that I think about when I'm looking and I'm playing, you know. Because I know I'm strong enough to hold off center backs. I know I'm 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 good enough in the air to be able to win a ball. You know I, I have good enough feet to be able to keep possession, turn if I have space, dribble, find a pass, take a guy one v one. You know it's just for me it was for me it's always about keeping the game as simple as possible, not doing too much. Obviously sometimes you have to be selfish when you're in front of the goal because I'm a striker, so you live and die by the goals you score. Um, but I am also a guy that relies a lot on service, so I like to partake a lot in the buildup. Uh, sometimes I get dragged out of position a lot and I know that because I like the ball on my feet. So sometimes if I don't find myself getting enough love from my teammates from the ball, I will go find it. Like I will drop into the midfield to go get it. I will go wide. I will switch with my winger. I will switch with the seven or the 10 to stay out wide to just get it, give it and then go again. Cause I feel like I need the ball at my feet. Yeah. Um, but that's part of being the striker too, is, you know, taking, taking yourself out of the play, like making yourself seem like you're out of the play, but you're involved the whole time, you know? And that's kind of like one thing that I feel like I, uh, I've gotten better at, but I need to get better at is, is, is understanding that, you know, I don't need to be part of the buildup so much, you know, I can save my energy until we, we break into the attacking half. And then I could, you know, use more of that energy to be able to get and be a little bit more active in terms of go finding the ball or, or doing the right things, you know, laying a ball off one, two spinning. Maybe I'm the third runner. Maybe I slip the third runner in. I got to be in the box as a presence. Always like always, if I'm not there, that means I'm not doing my job. Yeah. Like if, if the ball goes wide and I'm not in the box, there's something wrong a hundred percent because all of for better or for worse, all of my goals come from service or in and around the box, you know? So yeah. 
that's kind of my my thinking is you know control it and that's that's what i think about this is what i'll say to answer your question is control what you could control right pay attention to the details within your position and then when it is your time to shine and you find that opportunity and you've you've read the game and and you see it developing and you see it take it and if it doesn't happen you're going to get the next one but you got to work together to be able to defend to get the ball back and then work together to to score it's not a, it's not it's not just me out there it'll never be like i yeah. i can't do it i can't do it on myself bro i'm not fast you see me run i'm not fast bro. i can't I, I won't be able to you know i'm i'm quick yes but i'm not a speedster by any means i have other things that i'm good at that other people may not are good at my skill my my skills are one particular thing but the blend and the mixture between the other 10 guys on the field is is what is what makes the team successful and, and having good cohesion and and um and good work ethic and, and a good relationship and understanding with the rest of your team is the most important thing because it's a game of of, of numbers man you have to understand you know where you are in the field understand okay maybe if we have an overload if if we drew all the pressure to one side of the field and we've got no numbers on the other side how fast can we get it there so we can expose space there you know mm -hmm. so it's a team game i mean as much as it is yes there are some very very creative players in the, in the usl championship and even in the usl league one which i'll have you know time to find out but there are very creative players and there are instances where it does become an individual matchup but for the most part it's a it's a team game and, and it always has been a team game so yeah 100 percent. yeah if people have questions just just type i'm just gonna scroll through and see what's going on here uh yeah. what do you think about boschikovsky buying viswa krakow i think he's doing a good thing man he's a legend that dude that 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 dortmund team was unreal man Lewandowski, piszczek boschikovsky gotze what's his name the other dude uh marco royce yeah squad incredible team we got some bridges guys on so i always ask the everyone that's on from bridges is name your five aside team plus a goal name my five aside all right and, all right. and i know no, no i knew guy. as soon as you started posting these these uh this as soon as you started doing these podcasts it was it was eventually going to come full circle and i was so i knew as soon as that bridges five aside thing that's clever yo that's really clever so uh there's some there's some salty way, people there's some salty people on on oh. being put on am i am i about to uh am i about to make some people mad i luckily we got a little break before bridges starts <laughs> all right um let me think all right my five aside uh goalkeeper i don't know if you remember this guy but his name is peter schliva he uh he's uh a really good goalkeeper dude really good with his feet um and he's he's your he plays indoor so i don't know if i can have him as my keeper but he's been i, I played with him in uh canada once in a croatian tournament he's good yeah. he's a good keeper. so I'll, i would i would take my goalkeeper is peter Schliva because he's very familiar with the indoor game he's a very good goalkeeper and he's very good with his feet he's almost like a field player um and he has very good distribution he has very good reflexes he can handle pretty much anything in the goal that comes his way. My back, so I'm gonna go two, two, one. Going right back, I'm going Pat McMahon, and left back, I'm going uh, Sean Tosh. I'm going with the Louisville connection there. Louisville. Uh, and then my midfield two, I'm gonna go uh, Abador, David Abador, 
and I'm gonna go with uh, with honest in his prime. Okay. Honest in his prime, and then I'm staying up top. If you're if you're not in, who are you putting up as striker? If I'm not in, uh, I would actually put Derek up there. Derek, Derek, when Derek wants to play, Derek is really good. Yeah, when he's on fire, he no one's stopping him in indoor. Yeah. I got a question for you. You you were talking a little bit about uh, yo. He literally just commented, "I'm so washed up." <laughs> uh, you were talking about yo, dancing. honest. Since you're on, bro. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, honest. Um, you were talking about dancing and all. What? How do you think that's contributed to your ability to hold the ball up, be you know mobile on the field, all of that? You think it's played a part? Uh, the dancing. Yeah. I mean, in many ways, would you not argue that? soccer is dance just with the ball at your feet you know yeah. uh so that's that's the kind of way i think about it um you know between the uh flexibility and the mobility thing of being able to you know do certain things and but it's very similar i mean look in soccer you have tactics in dance you have choreography so you know you have to be able to learn how to count memorize choreography and then also if there's any uh if there's any um what do they call that line changes you know between the group you have to be able to under understand how to do that and also keep your spacing because if we're dancing together and you're and you're my and you're in front of me right i'm not going to be dancing directly behind you i have to be dancing off to the side of you because no one's going to be able to see if they're watching so it's about spacing and orientation one is about memorizing choreography two and it's just about being able to to fully uh, engage and pull yourself up there. I mean, just like uh, on the field. Uh, this is a really cool story because I don't think you know this about me either. I don't think many that have are tuning in don't know as well, other than Honest, because I think I may have told Honest this, but um, going along with the whole soccer thing. So, or sorry, the dance thing. So. Uh, Aga went to Columbia, Col Columbia College in Chicago, and her sister did as well, and they got dance degrees, and they're doing a really, really good job with the studio right now. But there was a moment in time where, <clears throat> have you ever heard of the Paris Opera Ballet? Yeah. Okay, so just to give you an equivalent, the Paris Opera Ballet, in terms of soccer, would be like the Real Madrids or the Barcelonas of the world. All right? So Paris Opera Ballet was doing a worldwide tour, and they were doing a, a U.S. tour. And Chicago was one of their stops. So Aga found out about this and they were doing a piece in the show called Bolero, which is one guy, one dude dancing on a big red table. And there's like 30 other guys. Like, so if I'm the guy dancing on the red table, there's like 30, like another group of dudes, like in chairs dancing behind them in a square. You know what I'm saying? Do you can yeah. picture that? Yeah. So you can look it up online. It's actually really cool. Um, and so <clears throat> that was the piece that they were doing and they needed, um, they needed people to audition cause they were taking people like they needed dancers to audition. And, and I wasn't planning on doing any of this. And I was like, listen, if you don't do this, you, you, first of all, you don't understand what the Paris. And at that point I didn't understand until she explained it to me and she ex told me exactly what I told you. Like it's the biggest and oldest, most historic like dance company to ever do it is basically like you would what if you were to be playing for real madrid blah 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 so she's like if you don't go it's pretty much over you're going i was like all right i'm going and then i ended up auditioning for uh for for the for the dance and i ended up getting it well me and my friend went with the, another 
uh, one of my buddies that danced with in the studio as well. We ended up going and auditioning together, and we ended up getting in, and they hired us to dance, dude. And it was oh, wow. so cool, bro. Like, dude, it was the stuff that those that those dancers do can do. Like, think about like if you were to go to train with a Real Madrid, like just watching them train and you being on the field them training, like. I was there while they were doing the rehearsals or while they were stretching or whatever. Dude, like literally a ballerina would like walk up to a walk up to a wall and just throw her leg up and just like do a split. Yeah. Standing just to, like stretch her. It was sick, dude. But that that was kind of one that one of the things I learned. Um uh in terms of how the dance and the soccer relates to each other is you know, you have a job to do. Uh, whether that's, you know, you're on the soccer field and you're playing a specific role or whether you're dancing and you have choreography and you're doing a specific role, but uh, you have to take what your role is and just fully embrace it, it. just embrace it and just lose yourself in the role. And if you can do that, it'll be, uh, it'll be, it'll be at its most original and authentic to you, which is first and foremost, the most important, but it'll, that is what you'll translate and that's what you'll emanate to people watching is the most original version of yourself is if you just completely lose yourself in it so that's kind of my mentality when i when i'm dancing on the stage is the first couple times obviously it's a little bit harder because the lights are all on you and you're just yeah. like, you can't you can't see the audience which is probably a better thing if you can't because it's really dark and the spotlight's on you if you're dancing or the lights and um you don't see the audience but when you're on that stage it's just you and the music man that's that's pretty much all it is dude and just like it is when you're on the field it's just you and your 10 other teammates and your 11 opponents and the ball and you have to figure it out um and that's kind of the the one thing i learned and i i take with me everywhere every every club that i've been to every every time i play a game is you know i want to be the most original i want to be myself on the field um and I want to be myself when I'm dancing, and uh, and that's what I am. And I I'm very fortunate to be able to do that with the person that I love, which is my girlfriend. Because sometimes we danced last uh, last show together. We were we were uh, we did like a little piece together. So it was it was really cool. And and uh, any of my teammates, including yourself, that I've I've had the opportunity of training with or or playing with in the off seasons. That's that's the mentality I have. Is um, you know I want to be. <clears throat> most i want to be successful but i also want to help my team and my my teammates be successful as well so um it like we like we spoke about earlier it's 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 as much of a team game as it is an, an individual game but you know there's times where it does become individual and you have to be able to motivate yourself man uh, you know and it does it's not easy sometimes you know there's certain things that are sometimes out of your control or there's things happening in your life where it becomes a little bit harder to deal with those things or maybe it's harder to motivate yourself to get going but for me it's uh it's always been very easy to to just lose myself in the sport because that's always how it's been for me ever since i i went to that first training with eagles and that's how it is now dude when i go out to the field or wh whether i'm by myself or whether i'm coaching or or training kids it's uh i i am in my element i am nowhere else i would rather be um other than being with my family and my girlfriend uh, and it's just something that I, I i i genuinely love doing i i genuinely like to you know obviously be successful but what really what really makes me happy is is the team winning games obviously scoring goals because that's my responsibility but 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 fighting and battling and competing together 11 guys 
uh, it's something very special if, if you're able to do it on a, on a high level uh, for a very for 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 a very successful team and we've had I, in my experiences we've had I've had a lot of success but I've also gone through some struggles and mm -hmm. and the struggles as much as the good times the struggle the, the times where you struggle is where your true character is shown and and uh, you know I, I you probably know just as much as uh, yourself that um, I I am uh, I I use anger to my advantage, but sometimes I can get lost into in that, and that's something that I still uh, try to work on. But uh, it's just about playing the team game and and and, uh, and working on, on continuously developing yourself and winning games, man. Winning games and scoring goals for me. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Honest is not honest is not too happy with me right now. Sorry if I keep talking too long. We can finish no. it up. If you want. Uh, I just was going to ask if you have any, any final thoughts, anything that, you know, if you were talking to a 15 year old self, what would you, what would you tell yourself? What advice? We'll end on that question. What would I tell myself? I would say, don't be afraid to, to ask questions like, you know, so what, what, what other people want of you, you know, at different teams, sometimes you, you, you spend too much time trying to figure out by yourself in your own head thinking about what the coach wants or you know how he wants things done it's okay to ask questions it's okay for for someone to say no but if you don't ask you'll never you'll never get the answer um i think another part of it is just enjoy being in the presence of of your your teammates and 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 just enjoy the process of getting better. And like that's that's as simple as it gets. Uh, and from day to day, there's ups and downs, but just know that your teammates are there to help you, and and you, uh, and I'm there to help my teammates as well. And and winning is one thing, and but developing into better people and players is another thing. And uh, you know, the goal this year is to win the USL League One, and the goal this year is to score as many goals as possible. That's the goal every year, but. Uh, that's that's what I work for. That's what we all work for, and and I'll keep working for, and and until it starts showing, man. And I hope that that shows this year, and and uh, and every year to come that I keep playing. Awesome, awesome, yeah, excited. Hopefully, you guys get back soon into your season, so we can see you out on the field balling it out for Forward Madison. Yeah. Yeah, sorry, I was I was lost in the comments. Yes, dude, I thank you, man. I appreciate uh, yeah. I appreciate it. Good luck to you in, in the season. Hopefully, you know we pick things up pretty fast here, but who knows? The most important thing is to stay safe and stay healthy. So, um, yeah, dude, uh, you're not. Are you? So you come back to Chicago in the off seasons or no? Uh, so I I live in Florida now, so I'm there for four months in the off season, just hanging out. I coach I coach a high school team. I love that. It's fun. It's it's a fun that. time. It's a lot different, but it's a good time with them. So, awesome. but I'll I'll be up in Chicago maybe once or twice this off season. I got to stop in the bridges. Of course, of course. Colin Kirk, he just came on. What up, Colin? What a legend yeah. right there. Yeah, dude. He he still goes, dude. He still goes to bridges. He shows up every so often. Colin, every time he Colin, does, I always want him on my team. <laughs> Colin shows up for that Friday to like get yeah, the yeah, yeah, before exactly. the weekend. The Friday when everyone's already beat up from from putting the load on during the week, dude. <laughs> <laughs> love it what up fam yeah up, Colin, fam. Colin Q I wish Q would come on Fridays too man that's what that's what Colin's gotta convince him honest honest is telling me to hurry up dude
Honest, let me finish up to wrap it up. I'm sorry, honest. I take a long time. This is my first like actual like really like live thing. Oh no, because I do the. Oh, if you guys are interested, I'm gonna plug in the, the club. Yeah, plug it. I'm plugging the club in. All right, so Forward Madison. I do. Uh, me and my roommate Eli, we do uh, Flamingo Flex Fridays. So if you guys are looking to get in a workout, uh, tune in tomorrow, 4 p.m. Central, on Forward Madison's Facebook Live. We will be doing it every Friday. We've been doing it Friday. I feel like three or four, three or four Fridays now in a row. So if you guys have any good ideas, or if you guys want to see some stuff, just shoot me a DM or. Or just uh, just reach out to me. But yes, tomorrow, 4 p.m. Central Time, Flamingo Flex Friday. If you want more of myself, my roommate Eli, he's a cool, he's a cool kid. He's a cool dude. Really nice guy. Uh, great teammate. We'll be doing live workouts. So tomorrow, awesome. 4 p.m. Central, Flamingo Flex Friday. Matt, thank you for having me, bro. Thank I really you. Appreciate this time, dude. Yeah, and, man. Thanks uh, for all your stories. Talk. I appreciate them. Great yep. stories, that but the bridges five aside that one uh, when i saw that i was like dude genius it's incredible i love that question yeah all right man take care thank right. you thanks matt yeah bye